Hey, Whiskey Ringers. I am thrilled to welcome back Impex Beverages as the Whiskey Ring Podcast presenting sponsor. Each month, we'll be talking about a new set of single casks, maybe feature a chosen distillery or single casks from a chosen distillery. Listen for the mid-roll for more info on this month's offerings. And now, a brand new episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. Today, we're doing something a little different. Uh, as I was just telling my guest, this is the first podcast and we're now in the mid seventies. Uh, first podcast that has ever been done in this label that is on bottle design and labels and the aesthetics of what you're drinking, not just what's inside the bottle, but what's on the bottle in the bottle itself and the packaging that goes into it. So with that all said, I'm thrilled to welcome Kevin Shaw. He is the founder and uh, president Greg, of stranger and stranger. Yep. Um, you may not know off the top of your head the name of the company by the end of this podcast. You certainly will. But I can guarantee you that you have had at least one of their products or products associated and designed by them, uh, probably more than one, if you're listening to this podcast. So, Kevin, welcome. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I would hope so. We've been going for uh, almost 30 years, and we've in that time, we've done around 7,000 different bottles so i would hope you have had at least one of them maybe more in your hand at one point whether you're drinking whiskey or vodka or gin or wine or beer um yeah but there are a few still a few hundred thousand brands to go so uh, I'm, i hope we're going to be busy for the next 30 years as well and so you've got you've got demand that's good yeah yeah good. yeah so while we're talking i'm actually sipping on um one of my favorite designs of yours, which is the compass box hedonism felicitas from two years ago. Yeah. Um, I'll post a picture of that and a repost of my review. It's just a beautiful, you know, inviting, it pops off the shelf. Um, but just so people are aware of a couple of the brands, and like you said, there you've worked on, what do you say, 7,000? Yeah. 7,000. So just a couple of the companies that you work with and people that you work with, uh, everyone from Snoop Dogg to El Tesoro, Dewars, Howling Head, Powers, Ferrand, Hirsch, Bakers, Castle and Key, Beefeater, Don Papa Rum, Aberfeldy, Aaron, and uh, per again, per my personal favorite, Compass Box. Yeah. And those are just a few of them. So uh, yeah. I feel Jack like Tangles, people are going to know some McCarty. of those. Things. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. Oh, I didn't see the Jack Daniels one. That's uh, yeah. We did, pretty... uh, yeah, we've done about four things for those. We did recently did Knob Creek. Um, what else? There's been Bush Mills. There's a lot of whiskeys, a lot of whiskeys, which is great. We love whiskey stories. And that's that's really why I wanted to have you on. I, I was at a tasting with uh, John Glazer from Compass yeah. Box. And... Uh, he was talking about the design of a couple of bottles in particular, one of them being the Flaming Heart series. Yeah. But he, uh, he mentioned Stranger and Stranger in particular as you know, a longtime partner of Compass Box. And uh, aside from being an excellent blend house, they're also known for the aesthetics of their bottles. The, every bottle tells a story, if you will, through the, through the label and the imagery. Uh, hence why it's one of my favorites. And as we're recording tonight, I just posted 
as I was saying to you earlier, I just posted the second day of the Whiskey Ring Awards for 2022 and the Compass Box Ultramarine and Castle and Key Restoration single barrel both on there and your uh, designs. So it's fair to say you've worked with, it sounds like everybody at some point or nearly yeah. everybody. Well, most, a lot of people. Yeah, most people. Um, yeah, and it is great. And everybody's got a different story. Uh, and different ways of um, of working as well. There, there's a very big difference. John John is really interesting because he's when we met him, he you know his his bottles. I remember them to this day. How clear they were. They all they looked a little bit like sherry bottles. Um, they were in clear glass and they had a, a very um, recessive labels on them. But he talked so evocatively and imaginatively about every whiskey that he made. And he had really great stories about why these blends were made. And, and he was also seen to be a bit of a bit of a the bad boy as well by the Scotch whiskey people because he was trying to like put extra wood into the barrels or you know, oak chips or do you know things that they definitely do not like. And uh but just pushing up against them and, you know, trying to shake the tree and make something different. And it is about being different and standing out. So he was really interesting to me. I really liked his, his approach. And um, so he he gave us some briefs uh, and they were all, they, they were really interesting briefs. They're not like standard whiskey briefs that we get. Like if we do, we did a Aberfeldy. And Aberfeldy, you know, had a label with a squirrel on it. Nobody knew why it had a label with a squirrel on it. And so we went up to visit Aberfeldy and uh, it's beautiful. You know, it's stunning up there. It's exactly classic Scottish distillery, beautiful scenery, great, great place, lots of, you know, rich heritage. But there are a lot of distilleries who can say all of that. And and uh, you have to dig sometimes to find something different. And it was purely by accident, by talking to these guys, these old guys. They mentioned that there was uh, gold in the spring water that they use. That literally got, you can pan for it. Um, uh, and, I mean, there's not much of it, but there's, got, there's literally gold in the water. Uh, so, so it's just fantastic. That's just a great product story. You dig down and you find this great product story about the, the water and the gold, the aspect of the gold and the golden dram became the idea for all the packaging and the advertising and uh, just a strategy for the brand. And that's one way of working, you know, finding some like historical reference or some kind of, um, you know, family reference or, or somebody who does something differently. But John Glasser... Uh, he gives us an interesting brief for every single story. Every single product has got a really great name for a start. It can be, I think he get, does a lot of, he comes up, I think he's listening to music at the time because some of them are song titles or, you know, uh, references like that. But uh, some of them are really speak, really, really express what he's trying to do with the liquid as well or the idea that he has. And everyone seems to be really different. And so we thought that his labels should be, there's an umbrella brand, you know, it says compass box on the top of everyone, but each each brand, whether it be, um, uh, well, I mean, he's, we've done 50, 50, I think. Yeah, so it's maybe over 50 for him, but maybe 60. So um, 
yeah, whether it's like the lost blend or or optimism or whatever, whatever the word is or the brand name that he comes up with. And he has, an, he has a very cohesive thought about why he's blended it just like that. Uh, and then he just lets us get on with it um, and do something evocative and and stand out. And uh, it's, it's been a great partnership, I have to say. He's, uh, he's, he's not not only that, he makes great whiskey as well. And we unfortunately, we never get to taste it beforehand. It's always this mm -hmm. this paragraph of a description of the liquid. And that's to some, reason, to some extent, that's great because that lives in your head. And that kind of fuels the imagination and your 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 enthusiasm for the product. Um, I, I don't, just don't know how he just keeps coming up with unusual things, but that, that's his that's his thing, that's his craft. And as long as he keeps giving us a great briefs, great stories, great names, we'll co keep coming up with great labels. You think you can sneak that into the next contract? That you, know, you got to be able to taste it first. Oh my God! I wish. I wish. Um, I mean, some of it's really limited edition. That's, that's the thing that I do like about whiskey is there's a lot of limited editions. And people like that. Whiskey drinkers like to have limited editions. So sometimes we can't we can't get hold of it for, you know, I go out searching for it. I can't even find it. So, um, yeah, and some of it's very expensive. I can understand him not wanting to give us a thousand dollar bottle of whiskey. That's, just, that's all fair enough, I guess. He pays us a fee. So we can go out and buy our own. I was going to say just deducted from the fee and slipped the bottom. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, as you said, we, we do whiskey drinkers. We do love our limited editions. Yes. It's, without a doubt. It's a yearly tradition. Yeah. And we're, I mean, we're recording at the end of December and it's the end of bourbon hunting season. It's all the limited editions of the year. The big ones, the BTAX, the Pappies, the old Forester birthday bourbon. Yeah. They've all come out uh, and they're all, gone um and most i mean most of those labels and and packaging have not been updated in in many many years because it works you know yeah. to a certain extent if you've got something that works and you're going to produce it every year why you know why change it but with with compass box it is very unique in that they're they've got a couple of core range products that yep. stay year over year but there are so many limiteds like the hedonism the felicitas yeah it's the original hedonism i have a bottle of it somewhere but it's not within reach uh it's got that maroon tinted label a gold outline on it I'm trying to remember from memory uh the muse herself towards the top of the label and it's meant to be this you know this mute to to me at least as a drinker i'm looking at it and saying it's hedonism or hedonism it's supposed to be decadent and enjoyable and rich and yeah. all of that and then with the felicitas 20th anniversary of hedonism coming out it's instead the muse is almost like a silvered marble bust right again i'll include pictures for this because of course audio only but silver marble bust with all of these different plants growing out of her head like ideas just sprouting out yeah and in some of them there are some that remind me of other uh releases you know certain trees certain geometric shapes but um the point being that it's there's something above this felicitas this luck and happiness depending on how you translate it um, my latin's a little rusty but it's just something that builds upon it uh, whereas, I mean, 
George T. Stagg. It goes away for a year, and it's the same horns on the label. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, it works. We're, so we're it's going to sell out. So. Yeah. yeah, we're always trying to build in more, um, uh, more production values into the the products as well, especially as they get more expensive. We're very fortunate in uh, in the liquor business to be able to use these amazing papers and these amazing printers. And normally on a, in any sort of printing press, you'll get, you can get, use four colors. And on the, these, these presses that they use, we're, we're able to use 13 separate stations. So we can have like three different layers of emboss and, you know, four foils and just these incredible finishes. And I often, I often find, especially with John's uh, labels, we've done a real, we've done a few that have got some really heavy embosses in there. And, uh, you know, I, I see people like picking them up and rubbing them and touching them and forming like an emotional bond with the actual packaging itself, which is so we're trying to build in these uh, redo. We do redo the labels and on the special editions, we kind of, you know, do a, a few more treatments on them that perhaps we wouldn't do on a normal label just to make them irresistible. There's that tangible quality is really you take it for granted. Uh in both the label and the shape of the bottle. Oh yeah. You know, the, the label itself, that feel, I mean, I'm someone for whom feel is a very strong uh, sense. It's one of my strongest. So uh, connecting with something is all about the touch and the feel. You can feel if it's cheap, you can feel if it's expensive, you can feel if yeah. it's quality. And that layering does have quite an effect. The other portion of that is in the bottle design, there's the form the beauty of it, the design, there's also the functionality where we see some bottles being designed specifically to be, you know, easily grabbed by a certain point in the neck to be poured. So they're designed really for, for barkeepers um, yep. who, who can, you know, pick it up, pour, drop it, and they don't have to grab this square or <laughs> bulky bottle yeah. and, and do it carefully. So I mean, just to get in, as I said, before we started taping, you, we, we can go as deep as you want on these kinds of topics. This is the first time we're talking about it. Uh, when, you know, when you say you can use, you can usually use four colors and you've got instead these 13 stations yeah. to use. I mean, at, at a certain point, I would think there's kind of a separation in, in companies like yours in between who does a and who does the second level b um not to uh encourage the competition but what other companies are there that that are doing those kinds of multi-layered labeling processes the the i think a lot of the uh, the best printing that i've seen other than the the ones that we're doing where we're really pushing the printers uh, you'll find in italy uh, some of the high-end Italian wines are, are just stunningly produced. Stunning. I mean, just that, again, that layers of richness and emboss and deboss and layering paper over paper and doing crazy tricks um, that is that are very difficult to do. Uh, you know, you have to think, well, not, not perhaps in some of these high-end whiskies, but in certainly in the mass whiskies, you know, you know, these things are rattling down bottling lines at, at, at you know, 
every, one every second and it's got to get labeled and bo- filled and bottled and capped and everything and uh there's it limits your your production i'm mean, inside from a maker's mark which are all still crazily dipped in wax which is beyond me i can't i mean that that's just stunning i mean i, I I, I love that. Done, I love I that they're they're really committed to that, and they're really uh, they've really made that their thing. Uh, only that's registered, by the way. You know, we can't. You can't put dripping wax yeah, yeah. on a licking on a liquor bottle. They they've got it. I mean, it's great. I, that shows commitment, and I love that. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of the times we're we're going down fast bottling lines, and uh, you you're really compromised in what you can what you can actually do but some of these italian wines are just are just stunning they produce stunning i, I look at them and i just think god how are we going to do that how are we going to beat that um and then a lot of italian stuff is really not that you know it's the other way that italy is a, a always um polarized it's either really cheaply badly produced or just incredibly well produced um yeah I think we're I think we're one of the best at in terms of production. Uh, we have um, a guy that uh, we he's been called Johnny Bottle for so long now nobody knows his real name. Uh, who who he works he works for us and produces all the bottles. You know we can have these crazy ideas about how a bottle sh- should look. But these things have to come out of molds and uh, again at high speed and uh, they all these embossers and details that you find on the bottle they you know they've got to be able to be produced and they you really need an expert somebody a real grown up who's worked in the bottling plant to be able to draw the CADs and the technical drawings to to make those to turn our ideas into production. Uh, so we've got those guys that work on the glass. We've got people, production artists who work purely on the labels uh, and they work with the printers to get the best out of the, out of them. And that's often, you know, they have to go down to the printer and spend days at the printer trying to kind of just adjust the machines to get them exactly right. So it's a, it's a real labor of love. And these guys are experts and been doing it for a long, long time. We're very lucky to to have them, and I, you know, do my best to hold on to them. Uh, yeah, and, and the designers as well. It's it's a very, you know, it's a very specialist area. You've got to know everything that's out there, and there are thousands of bottles out there. Uh, you can't produce something that's already been that's already out there. You can't produce something that people have seen and products that have failed. Uh, so there's a huge level of industry knowledge if designer has to have just to before they even put pen to paper and come up with a, an idea uh, and you know our positioning is all about being different and being unusual and that's why we like people like john and uh, people that do interesting things actually in some of the even the big corporations do interesting things a lot of the time now as well they're getting better at it and uh, in yeah that gives a designer a lot more um a springboard to kind of do something creative to tell that story. Very specialist area. Sometimes we get people coming in and saying, you know, they like they like a job for in, you know, because it, it's quite sexy working in liquor. I think a lot of people think, and uh, they, you know, they've been working in 
you know pet food or stuff like that and i i have to explain it's a slightly different area and there's a lot of specialist knowledge that that people have done and you know our staff have been doing this for you know 10 20 years it's uh, and the thing is once they're in it's a very addictive very addictive sector you know that they, they, they don't want to do anything else after this it's got to i've got to imagine it's it you're never bored. I mean, there's always a new products coming in. There's always, always. and for creative people, yeah. they're constantly being able to express that creativity. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only in the, I mean, and the great thing is with our, with liquor is uh, and whiskey, but liquor generally is that uh, every brief that comes in needs a bespoke bottle. You know, it's not like wine where you get to use a Bordeaux bottle, a Burgundy bottle or a Fleet bottle, you know, that's it. And 99% of wine, business uses exactly the same glass uh with with out with liquor there's a lot more uh, creativity because you have to think about the bottles and then think about what bottles are out there what shapes they are what 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 shapes would be really interesting and sexy and um and as you say there's practicalities as well you know these these especially things that are in the well in bars they need to be picked up they need to be poured fast they need to be there's, there's a certain practicality to that. The more expensive ones, you can go kind of crazier on and be a bit more different because they're, you know, rare use and up on the higher shelves. But those mass bottles, are, they're tough. They, all the bottle production companies want you to produce the absolute bottle. Mm. Apparently, that is the easiest one to make, the easiest one to get out of a mold, the easiest one to go down a bottling line, and... Or, or all the uh, bar guys love it because it's easy to kind of hold and manipulate. So that's the thing to, that's the norm. That's the average. That's what everybody wants. And that's what we have to fight out, fight about and just say, well, you've got to be a bit different to that. And being different is, is uh, incredible. What, uh, we, we did, a, we did um, some work for Harris uh, and they, they made a gin as a lot of these craft distilleries are now you know they start off with their white spirit while they're waiting for their whiskies to mature and they're just bringing out the whiskies now but they just uh they started off with the gin we did a really nice bottle i mean it's one of the most nicest bottles we've ever produced really beautiful um harris gin bottle it's got ridges and curves and, and it's incredibly tactile and lovely to hold and feel and the empty bottles were changing hands for like $50 on eBay. So, you know, people wanted the empty bottles to put to either its secondary use. They wanted it to like, you know, for put a candle in the top or fill it with olive oil or whatever. People just wanted these glass bottles. So if you feel like there's a gin in there and you want the glass as well, I mean, it's just a, a twofer. It's it's fantastic. Um, bonus. Great, great uh, value for money. It reminds me a lot of the, and I'm just looking up on my shelves, the kind of decanter boom of the 50s, yeah. 60s, and 70s, where, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Old Crow. So, yeah. um, and Old Crow, for the Old Crow, I'm a huge fan of the whiskey and the bottle. Uh, Michter's, I'm a huge fan of like the King Tut series from the early yeah. 70s. Um, the whiskey inside was god awful, but um, <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> the bottle and the decanters are incredible. Um, so is there, as I'm thinking about, it, I'm thinking, are there, 
God, there's so many directions I want to go here, but, um, you know, before we go that direction, back up a little bit and, you know, you've talked about how the, the people on your staff and the people you find and the people you retain have to be of a certain caliber. They, you know, you want them to stay. Uh, so how did you find yourself in this industry and in this uh, founding this company? Um, um, totally by accident. Uh, where, when I quit my last job, I was I was freelancing, and I accidentally picked up the uh, Dell Computers advertising account. Uh, it was just a fluke. Uh, just found myself in the right place at the right time. Did the right amount of work, and then I was doing that. I was used. To, I was in advertising before that, uh, and it was really great. I mean, it bought my house, bought my car. I'm, I want to thank Michael Dell. He, he set me up really financially but it was really boring work and uh i was at a wine auction with our planner a strategic planner and we were sitting there waiting for the auction to start and he just said these labels are dreadful and i said well maybe i can do something about that and i i spent a bunch of dell money on some consumer research to find out what was going to trigger people to to pick these things up and then um uh i went up to <laughs> I went up to the local uh, wine distributor, a place called Bibendum in North London, and I said, uh, "You know, can I do some labels?" Uh, and they said, "We don't have we don't have budget for labels." And I said, "Well, I'll do it in exchange for wine." And they said, "Well, okay then." Uh, so I did a load of labels, and this truck full of wine turned up, uh, which was just amazing. I mean, filled up my cellar; it was just fantastic. I was drinking it for years, uh, but more important than the labels that I did, like increase the sales on every single skew that I did uh and so and then I just got referred and it took off and um we did a lenticular label and uh it just got wrote up in the times and it was it was it just the, the wine business took off and then some guy in William Grant's saw all the PR we would get in and said I want to get them to work on some stuff um and we ended up doing a load of stuff for Grant's but and and then they moved off to to do uh, this outfit called Proxima, and we did this thing called the Kraken, which went completely crazy, and is now like a billion dollar brand. And and yeah. you know, we I can I can probably think of like six six or eight projects that we did that just kept really uh, lifting us up, and um, and then the phone yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it was it was literally a hobby that got out of hand. That that was that's how I describe this thing. It's just a hobby that got out of hand. I was doing it on the side of all the Dell work, and then I just it just took over, uh, and it's fantastic. Now I've never wanted to do anything else since since I got into this. Um, I, I bet. I mean, again, it's just it's constant creative expression. It is. It is, and I, I have to say, having worked in like corporate in the corporate world the people in the drinks business are to the most part amazing amazing and winemakers who sleep with their vines and and people who really love what they do there's a real passion and a feeling for it and i know everybody's got to sell stuff but for the most part it's the nicest industry to be in uh, we've found anyway that's that's certainly a compliment. I in I mean in in getting to talk to many of the 
liquor industry people, I've talked to very few wine people, but in talking to the liquor industry people, they do seem just happier. Yeah. You know, they're enjoying what they're doing. They're getting to meet people all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm what I would consider a strong introvert. I'm, uh, <laughs> apparently most tests would put me closer to an ambivert, but you know, I, I feel like if I were a brand rep, for example, I would just get burnt out going to event after event after event. Um, but there are people who, who do it and love it. And it just energizes them and you see them and they're having fun in a different city every night. And yeah. you get to kind of live vicariously, which is wonderful. And yeah. even, and that also goes to the people who have been, you know, someone who's been at beam for 20 plus years or somewhere. And, they're like, yeah, we just kept rising through the ranks, but I've loved it. Never thought about going anywhere else. I'm going to, you know, look at, hell, look at Jimmy Russell at Wild Turkey. I mean, yeah. the guy, he, I mean, with all love and due respect to him, the guy can barely stand up at this point. Um, just age. It's just age, honestly. Right. Um, and he's been at the Wild Turkey for 65 plus years. Right. It's insane. But they love it. Yeah. They go into the warehouse every morning, have a dram more than one tram and just enjoy themselves i remember being going down to martel it's one of my favorite memories of the the drinks business and i was down in the cellar there with one of the old boys and uh he was like getting this like 100 year old you know brandy from here and some 150 from here and and kind of saying now mix them together and like and it was just wonderful. It was just a lovely thing. But the, I remember the glow in his eyes when he was kind of talking about it. He, he was so passionate about this. And he'd probably done the same thing as he did to me, like a hundred times. But but you could just feel the fact that these people loved what they do. Um, and I think that that is that comes through with a lot of a lot of people in this business are in that position that they actually just really enjoy it. It's part of the, your social life, isn't it? I mean, you would drink this stuff in your social life to be able to do it for a job. That's amazing. And even in these big corporations, as you say, they'll find something, they'll find like the, you know, this, this hundred year old stuff down the back and everybody gets excited about it. And there's, there's always, they're always trying to, um, trying to do interesting things now as well i think for most part it's really interesting i when um when jewers kind of gave us this brief on the double double and i just thought that's really and he was really passionate about this double double uh, um aging and I, I, it's really nice it's really it's great to see it's that enthusiasm feeds us i've got to say somebody with an, a story and an enthusiastic kind of approach to the product it fuels us without a doubt i mean if somebody just came in and you know just came in with another chilean merlot nothing about it I, i'd be really disappointed i i want to know what they're you know I, I need to dig i need to dig into their story to find something something worth talking about i was curious if you remember it's going to be a single thing offhand but if you remember what a um a briefing for snoop dogs wines looked like <laughs> That was the easiest job. Well, we were doing 19 crimes beforehand and uh, and it was the easiest brief ever. It was just like, you know, taking taking them, um, take that idea of, of the, you know, the 19 crimes is based on the crimes that you could get deported to Australia for. 
and uh, take that kind of edginess and then bring it up to date. It was just really easy and clean. And he was fantastic, by the way. We've done a lot of celeb stuff. And they are, um, you know, some of them are, uh, uh, well, they're celebs, you know, they they think they can do everything and um, some of them. And then some of them are just amazing. And he uh, he had this deal where part of the deal was he had to do like half a dozen social posts and he ended up doing like hundreds and uh, it just, the brand just took off. He was, he was fantastic throughout the whole thing, I've got to say. Yeah. Celebrity whiskeys can kind of, or celebrity uh, wines, whiskey. I'll probably say whiskeys multiple times yeah. through the rest of this, and I'll mean any kind of spirit or liqueur or, li- or wine. Uh, but the, there's something about the celebrity craze right now where, as you're saying, more and more celebrities are getting into the game, whether it be yep. whiskey, tequilas, especially mezcals, gins, and they're selling for a billion dollars. Yep. You know, huge acquisitions. Uh, but you do get the sense, at least from from the drinker's perspective, the consumer's perspective, that some, for you know, to put it bluntly, some just care more than others about what's in there. Without yeah. a doubt, it's, and we see, we do see that, and the the jobs that come. Well, as you say, everybody now wants to do a Clooney. They want to kind of sell this out for a billion, mm-hmm. um, five year exit, and uh, but he. But he uh, Again, he was brilliant. There has to be some authenticity about the person doing it. I mean, he would turn up to the opening of new accounts. I mean, can you imagine being a, being a, you know, a, I don't know, in a, in a store and Clooney walks in and, uh, you know, I mean, it's fantastic. You're going to definitely take that product on, aren't you? Without a doubt. If you look at Ryan Reynolds at Aviator, just brilliant. He, he he lives that product and he kind of uh, the the output that he comes up with that his ads his uh, that out of office thing that he did when he kind of sold it out it's just it's hilarious and it's rich and it's but it's very authentic if you feel like you're engaging with him and it's so much different to a celeb who you know just wants to attach their name to something and you can, you can, you know, Justin Timberlake. I mean, and that vodka, Drake and his whiskey. I mean, it's just, it just, just hasn't quite gelled. Um, so they have to be authentic and they have to gel. Yeah. I mean, if they do, it's they can go crazy, really. Yeah, I think also of even within their within an existing brand like a Matthew McConaughey Long Branch with right. Wild, within Wild Turkey, uh, it whether or not he does he really put the effort in to make it seem like this is the whiskey that he designed and he's drinking right you know and i you know i've got so many things on my shelves that i i don't expect anyone to drink one whiskey or one spirit or anything for the rest of their lives but uh, yeah when you when you see that for whatever you think of the product itself it's hard to argue that yeah certain people you just you can see it as you said you can see the authenticity and it comes through and it comes through the drink. It comes through you as a designer yeah. and how the, how the label comes through. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you so- can, and it can be accidental as well, by the way, we, we did this. Um, somebody gave us this banana flavored bourbon and, and that's just what we would do with it. And uh, you know, it was weird. And, and you see banana notes in, in tasting notes, you, you, you know, so I, I kind of got that it might work. 
and it was very uh, drinkable. I thought it's going to just going to make it an amazing shop brand. You know, it's not it's not high end or anything, but it's just a fantastic, fantastic shop brand. And um, so we did this this label called Howl Ahead, and it was doing great. And then this guy called Dana White um, would posted on his Instagram uh, some bit of him chugging this bottle. Dana White owns the UFC. He's he's like uh, this cage fighting mm-hmm. god, um, and he chugged chugged some of this bottle, and then instantly Howler had got one hundred and forty four thousand followers overnight, uh, and then it became a thing. You know, they kind of bonded together, and uh, now when Dana White goes takes his crew on these big fighting excursions, they take a container of howler with them i mean there's youtube videos of these fighters chugging the bottle before they go into a fight i mean it's that it's become part of that culture and that real a real a real mix it's just a great chugging brand they love it and uh and it works yeah people want to they want if you're a fan of dana white or if you're a fan of the ufc you want to drink what they're drinking and yeah. feel like you're part of the crew so sure. it makes perfect sense hopefully not yeah. fighting at the same time though uh, not unless you've trained at least <laughs> yeah um I, and uh, oddly enough the so the banana note reminded me because the, i think for whiskey drinkers at least for american whiskey drinkers the the brand that you most associate with banana notes is probably jack daniels right um and, unless it's you know banana flavored whiskey yeah. so, uh and you did mention earlier that you had worked on a couple of their recent um or a couple of bottles for them recently like three or four Oh yeah, we did. We've done a few projects for them. Um, the Sinatra, we did the Winter Jack, uh, which was really interesting as well. I mean, and I'm all for um, for all all alcohol products to you know try different things. And that Winter Jack was a case in point. Um, and it's it's really you know we get very stuck, especially in the wine world. You know, people think well. That, that it's quite justified to have 6,000 identical American Pinot Noirs because, you know, the consumer will want to explore. And no, 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 they don't. They really, really don't. They they just want a clear proposition what they're going to get here. And most and most wine drinkers don't, aren't, and they, they can't tell the difference between a Californian Pinot Noir and a Washington Pinot Noir. And um, so it's... I'm always trying to encourage innovation and just for people to be trying out new things and making things more approachable. And I, I think that uh, that helps people get into this industry and helps them get into the markets and change up perhaps what change up what they've been drinking, experiment with other things. And then they'll find, they'll find themselves, you know, down a rabbit hole and all of a sudden they'll be listening to your podcast and kind of thinking about the nuances of really high end stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's the hope is is yeah. you know, and you've got a the other thing is so you know pulling back to the the aesthetic point of view of this is you have to stand out yeah and in whiskey we know you have to stand out because there's so many bottles on the shelf but as you pointed out i mean in the wine world to see it's magnitudes crazier i mean the i live in in the outskirts of new york city the largest by volume total wine in the country is half you know 20 minutes half hour away from me and walking in there, um, you know, I'm 
sometimes intimidated by just the whiskey section, let alone the aisles and aisles of wines. And unless you know exactly what you're looking for, uh, it's, 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 it's downright intimidating. So when you get intimidated, what do you look for first? You look for something that looks really appealing and stands out to you and catches your eye. And, um, I think to your point also, when I was thinking about the decanters and uh, your point about using the gin bottle for a second use and trading bot- empty bottles, um, I I was thinking about the decanters at that point because I was thinking there are certain bottles that are just iconic in and of themselves. Yep. You know their outline. Like, for example, a maker's bottle, if you have just a silhouette with a yep. red dripping wax, you know it's maker's. Yep. Um, to a certain extent, you know, if you see a blue squared bottle, you know it's Johnny Walker blue. There, and there there are just bottles like that um with now on the flip side of that and i want to, this might seem like a stretch of a segue but on the flip side of that you know you mentioned earlier that uh, a lot of work also goes into the bottle design itself behind the label um shout out mark Gillespie, behind the label um <laughs> of the shape and the functionality now in COVID times, especially in early COVID times, uh, there was a great shortage of glass, as far as I heard. Um, I know a lot of whiskey companies, at least that I was dealing with, were struggling to find even the most basic bottles, even you know wine bottles, plain old wine bottles for their whiskeys, let alone these uh, kind of special edition or special mold bottles. So, uh, you know, what was in terms of the, the both the designing and the executing and getting these things to market, what was your experience as a brand of, of dealing with those kinds of shortages? Yeah, it's been horrendous lately, without a doubt. I mean, the, we've just seen a flat increase. In fact, the thing came through the other day of uh, a 22% increase in the, in the glass prices. Um, and that's when you can get it. And the, time frames now that you're talking um we used to be able to get a brand to market like from brief into the market i think the fastest we ever did including custom glass was five months now you'd look into if it's 18 months uh Mm. and you you know you have to go further and further afield and nobody really wanted to use china to be honest because the quality wasn't as good but we're having to put people on the ground there to to quality check because we have to use China. Um, you know, there's the bottling plants all around the world, but they're all suffering some degree of of uh, the, the same issues that you're talking about. Yeah, the prices have gone up, things take longer, and it's now coming to the point where it's almost the same price and and aggravation to do a custom glass as it is to just order stock glass. The stock glass has really taken a hit. In that case, do you see do you see it incentivizing companies to then go after the custom if it's ultimately a, a minimal or negligible difference in price? Yeah. Yeah. And but you've just got to wait longer. You've just got to build it into your time frame um yeah it's really tough and a lot of people that we know did actually buy heavy when it, they realized it was all going down the pan like it went so uh there's a lot of people that we know do have a lot of um dry stock in the back warehouse 
Uh, and that's probably what's fueled all that uh, the, the the dearth of stock glass is people buying it all up beforehand. Yeah, and I, I remember seeing just my uh, my friend Alex who uh, runs Fort Hamilton Distillery here in New York in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, I went to visit probably about a year, a little less than a year into COVID, you know, March of 2021, and uh, yeah. I mean, this is a very small distillery. It's putting out great stuff. Yeah. It's small. It's new. Yeah. It's all one room at the time, at least. Uh, and yeah, he had a couple of pallets of just bottles. And he said, I saw them. I could get them. And they this these three pallets might last me three years. But you know, yeah. um, it, it's in my interest to have them because it's better to have them than not have them. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And I would encourage anybody now, if you see a pallet of bottles, just buy it. Because somebody somewhere will want it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just looking at, so I mentioned earlier, I have kind of an outline for these interviews. And um, I honest to God have barely looked at mine on this one because it's just been <laughs> a very fluid and, and great conversation. I did actually pick out, I'm just looking, I saw, I picked out that Isle of Harris Gin as one of the things to to mention and uh i'll include a picture of it with the podcast post but to me i, I noted it evoked kind of a windswept shore yes design of the bottle without distracting from the gin right so um but you also got some so that's the more let's say elegance and um let's just you say beauty yeah um, side of it um, you've also got some just flat out fun ones. Yeah. Uh, my favorite being the uh, Dada Potato Vodka. Yeah. Which I thought was just kind of Monty Python esque. It is. <laughs> and which uh, it's 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 just fun, you know. Yeah. But they have that great story. It's, it all comes down. Every single thing that we ever do comes down to a great story and finding a great story with a client or a product or a or or the the whatever the place or anything um and they they're really committed to doing unusual stuff they make stuff out of beats they 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 their idea is making odd things that nobody else is making and and calling themselves a dada chapel that's just perfect that's absolutely perfect it's just and it and it allows us to do great things with the design because there's no rules you know so a monty python man I, I'm old enough to love Monty Python and uh, I was brought up with that stuff. And anytime we can get Monty Python on anything, I'm for it. I'm a second generation watcher, of course. I mean, it's just what it is. But my dad was big into Monty Python. And uh, right. so I, I watched all the movies. I watched the, I remember watching the live of the Hollywood bowl uh, yeah. just over and over and over again. Uh, but when I, so now every time I see it, I'm like, oh, that's what that is. They also just a weird side note. Um, when my wife and I graduated from college, the same year, same ceremony, everything. And after you, after they played the Elgar, you know, pomp and circumstance, they started playing the Monty Python theme because it's kind of very marchy and it is beaten all that. And I just looked at each other and I'm like, is that the Monty Python theme? Like, <laughs> like pop a circumstance for the Monty Python theme, but eh, why not? It was, it was yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. So, so when, 
so, so that's the the bottle. So taking the bottle as the example of when you're trying to explore, um, you know, evoking certain feelings and certain functionalities and forms, depending on what the need for the bottle is. So you have the custom design on that side with the, I want to go back more to um, the labels as well, in terms of telling what you were saying earlier about telling the stories with paper. Yeah. And um, that phrase in particular came out in the recent, um, Aaron redesign yeah. that you guys led. Yeah. So I, I'd love to just dive in as, as a case study, if you will, of how that project came about and, and was fulfilled. It's a brand new year, the perfect time for a new whiskey experience. This January, my new experience is at Loch Lee Distillery. Sitting on the lowland coast of Scotland, Loch Lee is a relatively new distillery with some iconic names behind it. Set up by Malcolm Rennie, and now overseen by John Campbell, Lochley sits on a farm once tilled by the patron saint of everything Scottish himself, Robert Burns. Lochley's first release, the sewing edition First Crop, was one of my top new whiskies of 2022 and one of the best first releases of the year. At the end of 2022, I picked up the newer Our Barley and Harvest Edition releases in advance of my own interview with John Campbell, and both were worthy follow-ups. Each built on the clean, barley-forward, and mildly lowland style of the sewing edition by layering in multiple cask finishes. Each comes in a patterned glass bottle, evoking the barley where all of this starts. Keep an eye out for early 2023. Their fallow edition is set to hit shelves in Q1, and I, for one, can't wait. The third in the annual series of limited seasonal bottlings, Lochley Fallow Edition First Crop reflects the season of autumn on the farm when the fields are left fallow to rest after a busy harvest. This will be the first Lochley release to be matured solely in 100% first fill Oloroso sherry butts. As always, it is non-show filtered with no coloring. It comes with a beautiful lavender label to match the rich colors of the previous seasonal bottlings. A big thank you to Impex Beverages for being the Whiskey Ring Podcast presenting sponsor and cheers to you all in a new year. Hey, Whiskey Ringers. I hope you've been taking advantage of that podcast-only code for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. They've got around 20 bottlings coming out each month, and there's never a shortage of new things to explore. For the holiday season, December, January, we've got even more bottles than usual available to try and available to buy. If you are a U.S.-based listener, there are at least 12 casks just for this month's release, plus additional ones coming out. If you are a U.K. listener or an EU listener, there are over 30, a ridiculous number of bottles that you can try and get your hands on. Remember to use code WRP at checkout to get 25% off your annual membership. And when you get that special bottle, post a picture on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and tag us at Whiskey My Wedding Ring, Whiskey Ring Podcast, and hashtag Whiskey Ring to let us know you've got that great bottle in hand. Um, how it came about? I'm well. We're very lucky in that people just like, approach us now and just say because we've been doing this for a while. And we're quite well known, and um, so that they uh, just say, look, we we either want to. Uh, increase the price point on this or we need kind of uh, differentiation between the range or anything of that and uh, and we know uh, we normally ask people to uh, 
give us a one sentence brief, which is which really focuses the mind. And we've done that for every band, even Jack Daniels. We could just say, just give us the one sentence brief, not the big padded out, like full of what do you, what are you hoping to achieve from all of this? Uh, and so with whiskey, you just got to look at what there is out there, what's doing the job and what stories are being told. And, you know, with Aaron, there was just a, uh, the, the story of the geography and the, the topology of the time. And uh, that's just really stood out. Um, I think it's very, it's a very clean and modern looking whiskey, I think. And that's good for whiskey to start kind of not there's a lot of old stuff balveni and i love the balveni labels but there's a lot of kind of look of whiskies that are very much like that so we're always looking to kind of make things uh a little bit fresh and unusual if you like um so yeah this one was all about the topology of the place and the island and uh it was really and just producing something that was quite clean um i think it owns a kind of really nice color palette the bottle's really nice as well because it's got the steps and ridges in the in the neck which again people love to feel and touch and get their fingers on and um a lot of production details and you'll see like embossers foils there's probably like a five different colors in there although it looks quite subtle in there but yeah really produce the hell out of it and then the custom caps as well it's really nice that people produce custom caps. The caps are the lot are the take the longest to produce. They take longer to bottles than the bottles to produce for some reason. Producing caps is an absolute nightmare. We did a bottle called Italicus and they did this crazy cap with nine parts. It cost way more than the bottle, took twice as long to produce than the bottle, but it looks stunning on the thing. And you know, you people have to take a cap out. It's not like when you're opening a bottle of a wine and you just pull a cork you know you've got to twist the cap of the whiskey or yeah so it, it, like most projects it came together really easily it kind of just we we're very clear about like this is the story that we need to tell and nobody else is can say nobody else is telling quite this story other bottles look like this and we always do like a range comparison like these are the other bottles that will be your competitor and we do a comparison with those and what, what each product is doing well, then we'll find that kind of white space, that middle ground where nobody else is saying quite this in this way. And it's the same for every project, finding the white space. When it brings up a good question. When you walk into a, a wine store or a liquor store, do you look around at the bottles beyond what you're looking for? You just look around at the bottles and think, that's a nice design, but I think you could do this to it or this tweak or this change would make it thing. Is it oh, just kind God. of, do you do that? Oh, is it a compulsive? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm haunted by all of our work as well, by the way. I mean, the stuff that we've, that we did, you know, 10, 20 years ago that, that hasn't been updated. I mean, the Kraken hasn't been updated since the day we did it. And uh, I look at it now and I just think, oh, we would have done this a bit different. Oh, we would have done that a bit different. So it's important, I think, for all these brands to kind of refresh their brands and keep moving on and keep looking forward. A lot of them do that, actually. A lot of the clients that we have come back for refreshes and updates. And uh, yeah, you've, you've always got to be on the lookout for what everybody else is doing. To your point, I'm a nightmare in the liquor store. I am an absolute nightmare. I can't come out without boxes of bottles. I, 
I and I spend it drives my wife nuts. I spend hours like looking at bottles, picking them up, you know, feeling them, looking, reading the back label stories, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure people have been thinking about arresting me a bunch of times. So I just spend too long in there. I'm sure you're the same though, right? I think it's just part of the oh, yeah. part of the thing, especially yeah. whiskey. You've got you've just got to get into the story of the liquid and the. It's not like, you know, if you're doing a vodka, it's all about, vodka's all about freshness and purity, right? This, it's very, it's ethanol and water and like a milligram of impurities. And that, that's pretty much it. Whether you're talking about Smirnoff or Grey Goose, it's just ethanol, water and a milligram of impurities. Uh, and you, you, you want clean, whereas whiskey's rich and it's got all these nuances and it's got to help too much, too much story to, to kind of just, breeze past for me i can't i just can't just walk past whiskey i can't and i i come I'm out saying. with boxes of it and i'm sure I mean, I don't, i've got as you can see behind me i've got bottles and bottles in my shelf and then and the weird thing is if i zoom with our clients they're sitting in rooms with shelves full of bottles too um i mean if one i take off my work. background yeah that's what it would show <laughs> yeah yeah it's just part of part of the thing and that's what i love about whiskey drinkers they collect bottles as well uh, and that that Harris Gin one, people were buying it for secondary use, and a lot of the briefs that we get nowadays have sustainability credentials dialed in. So you know, can we use recycled paper? Can we use kind of natural inks? Can we? What can we do that that will like be more sustainable? Having a secondary use to a bottle is fantastic. You can't be more sustainable than that. If I can create a gin that then people want to make use as an olive oil bottle for like ten years, that's fantastic. The thing about whiskey is it's different. It goes in a collection. You know, it's mm. it's almost art in a way. It's almost art. Most, a lot of whiskey drinkers have got a cabinet or shelves with hundreds of bottles on. And these things are they're put together and collected, curated. It's almost like a, a, a yeah, an art exhibit. Yeah, I've got shelves of the, the certain bottles. You know, I, I started off keeping almost every bottle that that wasn't basically like a Jack Daniels number seven or, you know, the basic bottles, anything that was a step above or more, I would keep. And then it just obviously run out of room. I mean, I'm in a two bedroom <laughs> apartment, the wife, two cats, you know, there, there's not enough room. Uh, so instead what I started to do is I keep the special ones. I keep the decanters, um, you know, every few months I'll buy another chess piece decanter because I eventually want to have a full set where I'm going to put it. No idea, but you know, I still want the set. Um, and I'll keep the bottles if there are certain ones. Like I have an old Crow Traveler. I've got, I'm just looking now. I have the the Michter's um, King Tut's. I've got a Martin's Fine and Rare Scotch Whiskey from, that was distilled in, it was a 20 year old that was distilled in 1935. So I kept the bottle. The cork disintegrated, so I couldn't keep it, but I kept the bottle. Uh, some special Jack Daniels ones, uh, a Kentucky Prince. That's this odd shape that I've never seen before. It's a hexagonal an elongated hexagon pulled at the sides that comes up into a uh, fluted neck uh, with a golden twist top of all things, but uh, never, I've never seen it before. Right. But um, what I've started to do is, you know, so, so I decided, okay, I don't have enough room for this. So instead uh, what I do is I will, if I really love the bottle enough, if it's special enough, I'll keep the bottle, but otherwise I usually end up stripping the label off which I know must like make your skin crawl a little bit. <laughs> no, um, not at all. 
but you know for example um i was fortunate enough to try and have i had a full set of the maker's dna project set from earlier this year i finished the bottles ultimately the bottles themselves are regular makers 46 bottles there's nothing particularly special about the bottle itself it's about the label and, and the differences of what was inside they weren't it's again it's makers they were not playing around with they know what they've got is good they're not playing around so um i'm gonna see you know you'll be able to see it so i took the label off let me try to make yeah. this work i'll take off my background for a second so so you can see um uh so um you know so take the label off and, and i put yep. it in my tasting notebooks yep. i'll just do that over and over again yeah and for for me that's just a it's practical uh it <laughs> saves a lot of space yeah and it allows me to really keep the ones that i think are are unique the and that are special yeah uh you know i think of uh so the as i said you had stranger and stranger was behind two of the three bottles on my top three of the design list for this year um i don't think that you were involved in the third one but i could be proven wrong and the third one was the um george remus gatsby edition no that's not this but i'll look it up okay yeah take a look at it um because i, I think you'd appreciate it 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 because it does kind of speak to what you're talking about in terms of a story and something emanating off of a bottle yeah, that's lovely. And it, you know, it takes you to a very, it takes you to a place. It's got a really distinct look about it. And yeah, I mean, it yeah. says Gatsby all over it. Oh, and to, but yeah, what also the important thing here, I think, is the, the secondary packaging as well, which still it looks really good. Yeah, the secondary box. packaging is, a, yes, the secondary packaging is a particular thing for whiskey or maybe um, cognac and brandy as well, but and some champagne, but we we don't do it. You don't really do secondary packaging for for vodkas or any of that, the gins or any of that. It's, and whiskey pack, whiskey secondary packaging is very. Um, some of it's getting increasingly lavish uh, because oh, yeah. they, you you know the, it becomes a whole immersive experience there. You know we will put a book in there, or we'll put you know glasses <laughs> or something. So you you open this, you open up a whole world, and then you you're. And and they're made out of fine woods and beautifully made, you know, piano finish, and and you you don't want to throw that away ever. That'll be, you know, my wife uses all these things. My wife uses all the secondary packaging for you know her anything that she's got going on, her craft projects, and anything that the kids have got, kind of all their stuff in this second beautiful secondary packaging. Um, and I think that George Remus one is really interesting, really interesting, really sets yeah. the stage. Yeah, to me, it just it screams that Art Deco feeling, and I mean, being yeah. a lifelong New Yorker, it, it just was yeah. like drinking this and pouring the bottle, opening the package, transports yeah. me to the lobby of the Chrysler Building, yeah, you know, or the yeah. Empire State Building. Yeah, um, I totally so, get that. And to your point about the secondary packaging, I mean, it, it and it's it's not just the expensive brands. I mean, I'm looking at a pile, literally a pile, of Booker's boxes, right. just wooden Booker's boxes. That are filled with corks and toppers right. and things. Right. Uh, on the other hand, you've got uh, one of the things that you might have alluded to, but if not, we're thinking of something parallel, which was the uh, McAllen put out one earlier this year that was in a book. It opened up. Yeah. It had, you know, this incredible packaging to secondary packaging to it. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's McAllen. They're gonna 
you know, go big or not at all. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it is certainly a, a whiskey. It is something you do in whiskey and not really so much in, in wine either. No, not very much. Like I say, in some, in some champagnes. Just champagne I, 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 I remember we did a, we did one, we did a pack and a box for, for an Altmore limited edition. There were only eight bottles sold. I think a lot of it goes, goes to Asia, but, um, they you know they wanted to contain a bottle it's custom bottle beautifully made paper you know it was waxed had seals all this sort of stuff I mean just a beautiful bottle but it needed to have with it a little tasting bottle as well because you know the big bottle was obviously going to be resold resold it was going to be in a collection or be sold on so if you wanted to taste the whiskey there was this little miniature that went along with it so you had to have this whole secondary packaging to hold them both together uh, so some of it is a is a practical thing. Um, I think I think we did one for John recently. It was in a book as well. It's a, what John Glasser? He's just come out with um, what was it? Uh, Melicor. Uh... Yeah, the Melicor. So yeah, we did that in a that that is inside a book as well. There's, there's, yeah, there's it's the secondary packaging is a thing. You know, it has to be as beautiful as the as the bottle and tell the story and tell even more of the story. I love the fact that we can include books inside these boxes and other things just to take you into the world. Um, I, I had not seen this bottle before. That looks incredible. Uh, and Bellacourt, the scent of secondhand bookshops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and James, and James Saxon. That's the other gent that I'm hoping to, to get on. Um, wow. That is just lovely. And yeah, it, it's, got book page you know open yeah. old books on it it's yeah. just evokes what you want to taste and to your point i mean i know we keep coming back to this compass box but there's a point for that there's a reason for that yeah it's because whether it's orchard house or spice tree right. flaming heart you know you get a feeling from looking at the bottle and then you taste the whiskey and it reaffirms that feeling yeah going back and forth that there's something you know, spicy with spice tree. There's very orchard fruity and yeah. Highland style with right. and space side with that. Um, and he'll man, give you that find... in the, in the creative brief for the label. He'll say, uh, you know, this is a whiskey that smells of old bookstop bookshops. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I'm going to have to, I'm going to see if I can find it. I feel like it's some of these bottles, you know, they just go Ooh, 400 pounds. Okay. So, you know, maybe that'll be next year's thing, but that's the podcast is doing well. It's not doing that well. Um, so <laughs> I'll see if I can find some. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, again, though, I'm, I've become, I've become a label collector, I think more than anything else. So I would, I would pay for an empty bottle at this point. And just, <laughs> um, it just, looks beautiful is that's you know you get to a point that's that's what i can do my thing is the labels yeah and i love them yeah so you know in in the just in the last couple of uh, minutes that we have i mean again i haven't looked at my at my outline and yet we've covered basically everything that i wanted to ask you about in terms of like how things come about the companies you work with the telling stories and um the origins i mean it's it's this fascinating world that i never really thought about until it was pointed out to me and um 
it, oh, so one one other question that did come up was you made a point early on of saying that you can't do something that's been done before, basically. Right. Whether it's a label or bottle time, you got to do something. And uh, is there kind of a centralized design archive or somewhere that people can look and see, you know, has this been done or how do, how do people do that kind of research to rule out that it's been done before? In turn, in our company, you mean? I would or say in, in your company or, or in the industry. Yeah, I and mean, there's a few uh, there's a few sites you can go on that have got like every whiskey label on. You know, some people have just been collecting them forever and just put them all together, and, and that's fantastic. Um, we keep our own references and our own files and our own catalogs, um, and we share it with everybody within the company, and so everybody kind of knows you know about this and that. They can we're always throwing files around to each other and uh, just building up knowledge. Yeah, that's all you can do, really. But it's never ending. I mean, it's the you know, especially in the last few years with the the craft distillery uh, movement. I mean, there's an hour still on every corner, um, and it's it's tough to keep up. Really, is it's full time job keeping up. So, how does a distillery that's relatively young, let's say, like like a Castle and Key, yeah, um, how do they penetrate the inbox, so to speak? Um, they they just uh, they had a really interesting story from the offset, and they had d- just fantastic uh, architecture and uh, really authentic, real a real place down there. And a lot of the stuff that's on the labels just nods to um, you know what you can see down there when you go. Uh, they, also, they did that really. We've just done a really interesting skew uh which is about uh, which is more about what we what we see a lot now is is cause marketing but castle and key they've done a skew called untold story and it's about um you know african-american distillers and all of that kind of um historical reference and they've told it they've told the story in this skew so they're very open to doing things but yeah they're they're really they really had something interesting from the offset and they're very willing to be creative and they're very willing to uh, push the envelope and let us do what we do best. And that will, that'll generally get, get through our, in, any inbox in our company. If somebody says, do whatever you want to do, uh, we're in, we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we so don't, um, any, uh... sorry, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, we, um, no, that's all it takes really. <laughs> very, it's very <laughs> easy to get a designer going, just tell them, tell them that they can be, creative and uh yeah we'll get we we always say that we'll get you that first sale you know we'll make you we'll make something interesting enough that somebody will want to pick it up and then after that it's the liquid the liquid will get you the second sale sure so with that uh in mind i'll ask you the last question on my list which is are you know i'm sure you're working on any number of exciting projects at any given time um any that you can preview or tell us about uh, we have 60 going on at any one point and we sign confidentiality clauses and, you know, treat our clients IP very religiously. So not, not really that I would like to share. No. And I, I really appreciate you asking. I really do, but it's uh, no, that's, that's definitely more than my job's worth. Now I, 
I figured, but it was a question that I think had to be asked. So I'd be remiss yeah. if I did not ask it. I'll put it that and way. What I can say is there's really nice, interesting, exciting things going on in the whiskey trade. And that's fantastic. I wish the wine business would keep up with the whiskey business, but the whiskey business is is right there with really interesting stuff going on. So I'm very excited for the future of it. Well, I'm looking forward to hopefully finding one of those, one of the Velic, Velicor bottles Velicor. and uh, any number of the other bottles that you've worked on. So Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to chat about this. I'm fascinated by it. There are, I'm sure, more questions that are going to come up that I'll pepper you with hopefully in one email instead of you know five. Um, but it's just really wonderful. I definitely encourage people uh, go to strangerandstranger.com. There'll be links to the website, to social media uh, in the show notes, as always. Um, this one, of course, will be a little bit different. No reviews in the show notes because, you know, not making the whiskey but or the liquid. But for sure, you will see uh, pictures of bottles that I have and labels that I think really need to be shown. So again, love the work that you guys do. Thanks so much for taking the time tonight. Um, hang on with me for a sec after we uh, finish recording, just to close out. Well, David, and thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you all for listening. Uh, this will be one of our uh, episodes in the new year. So happy 2023. May it be better than 2022. And uh, keep telling your friends, keep listening. Really appreciate your support. And cheers. See you next week. Cheers.